and welcome back to the Second Screening Podcast. My name is Nick Lane, and with me, as always, is my very good friend, Matthew. What's up, Internet? I am on five hours of sleep in the past two days. I just did not eat a whole lot all day, and I just drank, like, two glasses of scotch. So let's do this. Yeah, let's get this started. Yeah. So this is going to be our New Year's episode. We were originally going to do a Thanksgiving episode, but November came and went in the blink of an eye, and we totally screwed up on that. So to make up for it, we're doing a New Year's episode. I didn't screw up on anything. Did did you not? Huh? I, w- I was ready at a moment's notice that it was you who screwed up. Really? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so this time on the second screening podcast, we are watching Four Rooms. Four Rooms. Because it's one of the only New Year's movies that we could find. Except I did suggest New Year's Day, but that also could be me falling for marketing ploys. <laughs> Honestly, that might have been a better choice for New Year's because I'm, we're going to get into this a little bit, but like this movie barely has anything to do with New Year's. To answer that, though, how do you define like having to do with New Year's, right? If you're thinking about you know something relating directly to New Year's, I mean, if you think about your regular life, things just happen on New Year's Eve, and obviously it's like a time for celebration, so I actually don't fault it for that. Yeah, I guess so. It just seems that it being on New Year's didn't have any impact on the story. It could have been any Friday night at the Hotel Monsignor. Sure, sure, sure. So that's what I, that's what I mean. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it just yeah. happened to be around New Year's. Sure. All right, so hit us with some Matthew's factuals. See, I came up with that because I realized that you don't actually like to be called Matt, and so I wanted to have something with the name that you like to be called. Oh, that's so sweet and so creative. I appreciate that. <laughs> so normally I have a little fact sheet of facts about the movie, but in this case I'm just kind of going to go off what I remember, which is fairly simple. This movie came out in 1995, and I was going to look that part up, but as you confirmed, uh, my guess was right, and I just want to brag slightly. I'm really good at remembering what year movies came out. Nikki uh, and I had this at trivia where he's like, what year did this come out? I was like, 92. And he's like, that seems too early. And he looked it up and it was 92 on the dot. So I don't know. Anyways. Nice, solid seal. Yeah. This movie, uh, Four Rooms, came out in 1995. It's an anthology series. The main actor is uh, Tim Roth. It's based on the writings of Roald Dahl? Yes, there you go. And now I'm going to say Road Dahl because I said it <laughs> correctly once and now I want to say what I always want to say when I look at it. And like, <laughs> I know it's his name and I, I just, I can't, I think it's because that name is so far from any other name that I knew, but. Yeah, it is a very unique name. Yeah, and, and, uh, he wrote James and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and stories that would go on to become four rooms, I guess. Yeah, or he also wrote. The BFG, the Big Friendly Giant, oh, things like that. Oh, okay. I'd yeah, never yeah. heard of that until that movie came out. Oh, really? Yeah. It was actually really good. He also wrote Matilda. And he also uh, wrote a bunch of smaller stories. Yeah, sure. Uh, from what I hear, I actually haven't read any of them myself, but from what I've seen of like the summaries of some of them, they're really weird and really dark. He was actually a really dark dude. Well, and so that's what's you know so funny about this, because I watched the movie and then read the Wikipedia on it, and then I was like, I was like, Charlie... Charlie, what are you doing? <laughs> I, was, I was like, what about that big old peach? So, no, I know they're different stories. I'm just saying those are the two stories I know. It's the second time he's done that to me where I made I made what I felt was a pretty solid connection that I didn't need to to explain, and then I just get looked at it. Sorry, like, I thought that it was – you were saying that Charlie from Charlie and Chocolate Factory yeah, was in James and the Giant Peach. No, Charlie and the Giant Peach. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Charlie and the Giant Peach Factory. Okay, <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. So Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez – 
they were it appeared to be the main forces behind this and two other people directed two other of these shorts and I I am not really going to bring it up. Yeah, I don't know who they are honestly. I, I looked it up a little bit. I'm just like I don't people. And this is so clearly a Tarantino and and Rodriguez thing yeah. that, that nothing else really matters. Tarantino was the executive producer. Yes. And I believe that Rodriguez was if not the primary he's the primary director of one of them but i think yes. he's also assistant director for at least two or three of them probably and, yeah. and and that's the thing is i'm going for you know kind of the engineering what is the dominating factor and the dominating factor is tarantino rodriguez now it was earlier in their careers which is interesting to me and we'll talk about it or at least i will whether you want to hear it or not internet but <laughs> you know knowing what we know about them now it makes sense but back then this was still pretty fresh off of the careers i think yeah so this movie came out just after After pulp fiction Fiction, yes it was like just the kind of the rise of his career like reservoir dogs had come out a little bit before that which is in the opening you know we'll talk about that in a second um and then pulp fiction you can see like that's the rise of his career and then this one came out and it's one that i totally didn't remember i yeah i'd never heard of it until you said it and i believe rodriguez did el mariachi in 92 yeah i think so so you know this came out in 95 so there you go so four rooms begins with a kind of a cold open scene it's some skinny white guy tim roth Roth, who's talking to an older fellow the older fellow is the previous bellboy who's kind of going through like the history of being a bellboy at this hotel is it bellboy or bellhop bellhop that's right okay yeah uh, yeah, Greenfields, yeah, Greenfields podcast. Yep, and he made a joke about that, where he's like, "You know where it comes from? Someone rings a bell, ding, yeah, hop. You hop, yeah. yeah, exactly." So he's just some old salt, and he's really great. But he does something that's kind of interesting, something that you kind of talked about before. But he basically summarized the whole movie for you in one sentence, where he yeah. says, "Look out for night clerks, yep, kids, marital disputes, and hookers, yep." And that's basically those. Except for the night clerks. You don't really see them, but everything else in this, you see throughout this entire movie. And he said, keep your dick in your pants. And keep your dick in your pants. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, it goes from there to... The Pink Panther of, opening. Yeah, kind of a Pink Panther opening where it's a uh, animated opening, which is, started out kind of interesting. It started with the, the Band Apart production company's logo and then the character who i believe was supposed to be mr orange right that's tim roth's character from reservoir dogs oh i don't remember which color he was yeah so anyway the but tim roth's character in the logo because the logo is the reservoir dogs logo yes he like pushes the other two apart and then suddenly he's the an animated version of the bellboy from this movie that opening was kind of cool but also kind of jarring to me because I've I know that they do that with like kind of the opening production house logos, but I I think that was like so well done that I was like, whoa, wait, what's happening? Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, am I watching Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, and the opening song was really cool. I actually went back and like listened to it a couple times. I really like it. I the the opening cartoon annoyed me so much. That, really, that what is that? I. I don't know. I, I kind of watched the Pink Panther when I was a kid, and I enjoyed those openings, and I know this is supposed to be kind of like a throwback to that kind of thing, but just this thing just, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I enjoyed it, but it also essentially did the same thing that the old man did, which was introduce you to what's going to be coming in the movie. It's going to have marital weirdness, kids fucking yeah. with the bellhop, and weird parties, and women with their tits out. What, what's that thing they tell you in English class? Tell them what you're going to tell him tell him tell him what you told him so yeah. that's like the second tell him what you're gonna tell him which yeah. is which is fine which is fine it was just like yeah yeah i don't know i like the song so yeah, i didn't mind watching fine. it again 
but it well, was just kind of annoying. Well, I think I, I, I think, agree. I think there's something in Hollywood legally where they have to list all those things, right? Which is why you know before the film you have to list everybody's uh, role or certain people's roles. So mm-hmm. I guess anything they can do to make it interesting, I, I don't fault them for because they got to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it goes from there to Tim Roth or Ted. It's Ted. Ted yeah, Ted. Ted is playing pinball in the lobby. I guess waiting for the next like. Guest. Guest or yeah. whatever. And the next guest happens to be Madonna. Madonna in that uh, leather dress. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. So this is the first like short story, story in this collection of short stories. And yeah. it's essentially, like, we're just going to kind of blow through it a little bit. It's about these collection of, wi- a coven of witches who are trying to resurrect their goddess. Yes, their who goddess. Who turned to stone in that hotel 40 years ago. In that room. Yeah. Yeah, like the jilted lover kind of deal. Yeah. So you have like a scene where they're all like introduced to the bellhop. They're like, he's showing them to their room and there's like some weird dynamic in in the group. So there's a part where Madonna goes to tip him, tip Ted, and then puts it in her breast, her bosom. Mm -hmm. And it took me so many times to figure out just what happened because yeah. i guess i don't know i know it wasn't exactly pen and teller but for some reason like i was like why is he going up and touching her boobs and then i finally realized like oh he's grabbing his tip yeah i was just like get on with it yeah. I, I that's gonna be my statement for tim roth's acting in this entire thing <laughs> fair like, enough fucking get on with it so i was gonna bring it up later but i guess we might as well just get out of the way why was he so weird yeah. why did he walk so weird why did he talk so weird like i just i it was so distracting oh, okay i'm sorry I yeah no, it's it's fine uh, yeah we'll get into yeah. that so they're trying to put together the ingredients for their their, po- their, their spell potion, their yeah. spell and just talking about it right now i'm not doing this movie justice for talk like talking about the weirdness of this movie like already to it's start eccentric. with it's eccentric yeah it's yeah. really eccentric to the like in the scene where they're like putting together all the ingredients they have to like say a quick poem that they kind of come up at the top of their head these five witches yeah but during that scene two of them are topless yes and three of them aren't. One of them being Madonna. So I'm, and I know that she's got like the celebrity power to kind of be like, I'm not going to appear well, nude. She had, well, she also had a book called Sex. So, yeah. so I that that specifically me was kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. And then the two others, I was just like, why aren't why are these two topless and the other ones not? It, it just was like, what the hell? Why is that? Like, either have a reason for them to like kind of explain it, like maybe they're junior members of the coven or anything. I agree. I, I felt the same way because all I did was focus on that. And then maybe one of my problems with this was I viewed everything like a clue. And so I was like, why aren't they topless? And I was like, is that a clue? Yeah, does but this really explain just... something later on? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, they turns out one of them didn't collect the thing that she needed. Which uh, was semen. Which was semen. Yes. And she accidentally swallowed. She had a cute poem about it, though. So I'm assuming it's not made up on the fly. Yeah, exactly. So they basically pay Ted $50 to make her smile, quote-unquote, which yes. is to say, like, get off on her. Uh, yeah, de- yeah, deliver the goods. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they have this, like, he starts doing this weird thing where he's, like, like tweaking his ears and, like, makes a, like, fake winning noise. He's like, come on, laugh a little bit. Like, I need to earn this $50. I, 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 I see why he did that, though. I see why he did it, but yeah. it was just so... It was so awkward and weird. Well, I, yeah, it was awkward. So, yeah. I mean, if it, here's the thing, though. Like, if you were to go to the store right now and somebody was like, I'll give you $1,000 to make this person laugh, I think you would probably be taken so off guard you might do something weird, too. Yeah, that's fair. 
Anyway, she basically tells him what's going on, holds up a picture, and the picture starts animating. Yes, which is kind of cool. Which is cool. It's a neat scene, kind of showing off why they kind of love or at all, like, the the power of this, like, witch goddess that they want to resurrect. But by doing that, I mean that they're able to animate a picture, and it happens to be of her, and she's, like, doing this weird sex tango in masks with, in, like, dominatrix kind of style with yes. some other woman. So anyway, he doesn't want to do it. He, you know, he's like, I've been told, like, I'm not supposed to... Keep your dick in your pants. He's supposed to keep your dick in your pants. But he says, I'm not supposed to sleep with the clientele. Oh, okay. And I was like, is that how British people pronounce the word clientele? Hmm. Or is it just Tim Roth being Eccentric, weird? Yeah. yeah. So, she uses magic to hypnotize him. By the way, there's magic oh, in yeah. this world. Yeah. yeah. So, like, these are actually witches. Yes. That's the thing. It's like, holy shit. They are actually magic beings. So... They get done, and she... They have sex in in, in the, the cauldron, potion, in, in the, the potion, potion essentially, yeah. which is already weird. Yeah. Then they leave. She gives him her number, because apparently he was, like, so good that she's like, hey, come do me again. Yes. And she even, in her poem, basically is like, hopefully Diana, our goddess, can find pleasure with a man like this. Something along those lines. Like she rhymes this with something else. Yeah. And I was just like, holy crap. Apparently he was so good that she, like, is in love with his dick. Podrick. Podrick. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that essentially ends the well, scene. Well, there, oh, wait, there's a little di- dance di- scene that they had to do, too. Well, the the key that at least I felt was Diana awakens, mm-hmm. and then nothing matters. Nothing happens. Yeah, nothing <laughs> happens. Like, Diana awakens, like, after they do this, like, weird little dance yeah. sequence. Yeah. Which, or maybe the dance sequence was like the first time they're casting matter. the spell. It doesn't yeah. matter. It was also so weird because nobody was in sync. Like you could, I was like, is this the first take? And uh, they just like were like, good print, we're done, let's that, go. That is exactly how I felt. Or they're like, they're like, hey, you you made the dance choreography, right? And he's like, oh, give me five minutes. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Well, at one point, they all had to like like kneel down, and nobody did it together. Nobody and did Madonna together. couldn't do it because she had a tight leather yeah, dress exactly. on. Noticed, okay, good. I'm glad you noticed that <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. We're like everyone went like way down, and she's yeah. like, I can only go at like a obtuse angle because of this like leather dress I decided to wear. Yeah, and then and they they did that take, and they're like, well, that looks good. Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Run it. Yeah. So, yeah, Diana awakens, and then that's it. That's, that's the it. end of the scene. That's the end of The Missing Ingredient. Yeah. Story number one of our anthology tale. Done. So then the next one is... is it, isn't it? Isn't there, like, a scene in between each anthology scene? Yeah, there's scene? a scene that kind of explains where we're going from room yeah. to room. I can't remember what this one was. I think it was him, like, answering the phone. Yes. Yeah, it was answering the phone, yeah. and there's a party going on, and they request ice. Ice. But nobody knows what room they're in. 404. And... The party that they're at looks bonkers. Like, it looks like a really cool party. Yes. And I realized, I was thinking about this, uh, maybe I should save this for my second screen or whatever, but I was just thinking about it, I'm like, I feel like people don't have parties like that anymore. Like, these really just off the wall, like, everyone's wearing hat bonkers parties. And I think that's because nobody does cocaine anymore. We have found the missing ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that was like a cocaine, like bender for all those people in the party just for that little scene you see just because everyone in it is like super manic yes and so hell of a drug i was like wow yeah uh so they're like we're in room 404 yes turns out they're not so he goes to room 404 wait what's the title of this one again this one is the wrong man the wrong man that's right so he goes to room 404 and while he's like walking down the hall he's smoking can't do that anymore yeah he's smoking inside and everyone's smoking in this movie everybody's smoking and he kind of does this i liked the choreography of this scene he does this like kind of like interesting like 
uh, right on the musical cues hits like certain beats with sure. like, the ice okay. like he okay. like pulls out the cigarette throws it into the ice bucket takes out gum throws it in shakes the ice to hide it oh. and then blows out smoke and then does this like really deliberate like wipe 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 with his hands to like blow away the smoke from the air like, yes. right in front of him yes and I just I like while this movie is clearly eccentric I thought that was really cool it it's I'm one not, of the few times that I thought the eccentricity paid off. And I'm not an expert on musicals, but that's kind of a musical thing, right? You'll yeah. see that in musicals, which is yeah. cool. I agree. So he goes into the room and is essentially, like, almost immediately knocked out by this guy. The guy, the, some guy confronts him and says, hey, Theodore. And he's like, how did you know my name is Theodore? The other person, we learn his name is Siegfried yes. later, is basically accuses him of sleeping with his wife. And he's like, I would never sleep with your wife. And then... Basically, Siegfried knocks him out into a weird, like, two-second dream sequence. Like, why do they even have it? Like, it starts playing this, like, really weird jazz music, like, really subdued, dreamy jazz music. Yes. And then he, Ted, has a dream where he's standing there with a baby, and the baby's also a bellhop, and then that's it. And then he kind of wakes up, and he's, like, writhing on the ground as if he were drugged. But he wasn't drugged. He was knocked out. Right. So he is brain damaged. That usually means that you're laying still, not I'm going to ride around as if someone had just, like, put a tab of ecstasy in my mouth. Yeah, good old TBI. <laughs> so that launches into this really weird, like, argument between a man and his wife. His wife is tied up and gagged. Theodore is, like, trying to figure out what's going on while also, like, defend himself. But then at some point, like, the dynamic changes. Like, Siegfried, like, goes into the other room. Yeah, yeah, he goes in and basically gives Ted, Theodore, a chance to, you know, untie himself. And then he takes the gag out of... Yeah, actually, your... but they, do, they don't do that. Uh, Angela. Angela. Yeah, her name's Angela. Because she comes her, back later. I'm going to call her Angela. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first time he goes away, Theodore or Ted doesn't do what any normal person would do, which is take the gag out. He, like, mimes to her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I was just like, that's what, first of all, I'm like, what is his problem? What yeah. is going on? So they have this whole weird back and forth about God knows what. I can't even remember everything about it. It, it just, like, was such a weird conversation. It didn't, like... Nothing that anybody said mattered to anybody else, except for the one time where Ted was tired of Theodore, or Siegfried, calling him Theodore. And he goes on his, like, schoolboy British rant about how only his mom calls him Theodore, Theodore or whatever. But he never explains what the kids did to him. He never says. He says, my mom did me the service of calling me Theodore, but have you ever gone to a school with the maladjusted? Something, something, something. And I think they, like, called him Theodore the Thumper. And that was, like, I was paying attention to try and figure out what it was. Right. And there's nothing. They skipped over, like, I feel like they skipped over this whole scene where he was... I mean, I, 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 maybe the whole point of the scene was he stood up for himself. I mean, I'm basically leaning on you for the scene because, spoiler alert, I hated this every part of the scene. Yeah, I'm... So that's yeah. why, like, I don't even remember what happens because I was just so angry about it. Right. So basically he wins over Siegfried. Yeah. And then uh, Siegfried goes away again. And this time he pulls on the gag. And Angela, the first time I missed it, I'll talk again in the second screen, I guess. But Angela says, this is a, just a game that we play. Just like, just, you it's know. It's like a rape fantasy kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're, they're completely insane. So when Siegfried comes back, they're trying to like retie her up essentially. Yes. And he gets like so upset that he has like heart palpitations. Yeah. He like lands on the ground. He's like, oh, I'm dying, Angela. He's kind of doing yeah. the uh, Samson's sons, like, oh, my heart. Yeah. This is it. I'm yeah. going to the big sky. Yeah. yeah. That sort yeah. of thing. 
He wants um, his nitro. He wants his uh, nitro, nitroglycerin. Yeah, nitroglycerin pills. Yeah. And this is also one of the times in this movie that I'm, I'm. What is everyone's perception of like how hotels work? Because every room that they go in, at, like especially specifically up to this point, I know it's only two rooms, but every room is like really well. Like people have like essentially moved in. There's like shit everywhere. Like personal items everywhere. Yeah, that, I don't think that's that unreasonable. And if you go for it being, you know, the old timey kind of hotels, you know, longer stays and things like that. I I, I actually I actually like that part of the movie. Okay, I yeah. just stay in hotels a lot, and I'm I stay there for like weeks at a time, maybe, sure. and I'm I don't hang up things, and I don't. I I also am not a hotel impact. But like I knew this girl, uh, we went to Chicago and uh, we we were there for one night. And we get there and she opens her suitcases, starts like hanging up stuff, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm a hotel unpacker. So these people exist. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a moderate hotel unpacker. Sure. Really quickly, yeah. I hang up my shirts and my pants just so that they'll unwrinkle, which is fair. Yeah. And everything else is in my damn suitcase. I don't, I don't hang up a single thing. So, That's but fair. but it it did, did did prove to me that these type of people exist. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, it was just so amazing to me. Yeah. Like, there's just shit everywhere in these hotel rooms. Yeah. Just everywhere. Yeah, they are more like long-term motel rooms, I suppose. But I mean, like, even like looking around the room that we're in, there's more things in those hotel rooms than are in, than in this room, I think. I accept your point. <laughs> I'm Fair like, enough. holy crap. Did the we... prop master went bonkers. Yeah, that's true. So anyway. Do we goes... need to talk about him going out the window, or are you about to do that right now? Yeah, I'll talk about it just really quickly. Okay. If you want to. At some point, he sticks his skull out the window and yells police, and then he looks up, and the guys who asked for ice pukes on him. Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I don't want to go into any more detail because it's totally unnecessary. <laughs> You're right. I'm. I'm sorry. I was just. No, I'm not complaining. It's just like it that's really just, is. It's it's not important. Yeah. The other thing I would really quickly to go on not to talk about this scene anymore. Sure. Really, but the the visuals of the scene are kind of weird. Where like when he sticks his head out when he goes to the bathroom to find the nitrogen pills and yeah. he's like, oh, I'll escape by jumping out the window. He tries to stick his head out the window. It's too small. The bathroom window. Yeah. It's too small. And then you also see that he's like. 18 stories up because it pans out from the window and you see how big the hotel is and then they have this like arrow pointing says Ted I actually like that I kind of hated that oh okay I was like, I'm like just assume that we know that it's way high up because it yeah. like echoes yeah I guess that maybe I think I feel like the Pink Panther did things like that it's and like it's maybe a that's an homage choice. yeah yeah because then also going back to the witches thing yeah. when they like make love or whatever when they fuck in the cauldron there's like these red hearts that appear in a there's red hearts that yeah. appear and make a heart symbol yeah and i'm like what that, that what that, the hell it's a style it's like it is like a cartoony style i feel like it's like freshman year of college style yeah okay fair enough yeah, yeah. it's like it just felt so yeah. hacky it was yeah. so weird i don't know what was going on uh yeah it's just okay i know okay, yeah, so anyway. i'll finish out the scene okay so so he says he needs his nitro. He that's oh that's when he tries to escape and says he can't find it. And then Angela's like untie me, and she gets it. And then he's like, "You love me." Yeah, right? it, like turns out like me faking my death from heart attack or whatever was actually just a test all along. Yeah, neat. And, and then, then that's it, right? Kind of Angela then like does say that Ted Ted the whole time's like I've not been fucking your wife. It's somebody yeah, yeah. else. And then yeah. Angela's like, 
what about all those times you were oh, doing me and his giant dick? And they yeah. have this like huge back and forth between like, which is obviously part of the play for Angela and, yeah. and Siegfried. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So then they leave and then he runs into the guy who's in a party hat and he's like, Hey, do you know where room 404 is? And Ted goes, I absolutely do not know where room 404 is. And he goes into the room and Siegfried says the same thing. Yeah, like that, you picked a wrong room or a hell of a time or something. Right. Weird. Exactly. They were arguing and he's like, Oh, and it starts the whole loop all over yes, again. Yes. Yes. So, and then there's some weird pan out on the room numbers, like it's important. Well, because the room number is actually 409. Well, the thing's off, and it kind of looks like 404. Yeah, and that. And that, so you're like, okay. Well, so I noticed that, and then you know, Wikipedia says it, it, it's not clear, and and maybe maybe I just now figure this out. Maybe the whole point is everything ends on something that looks like it should be important, and then it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Here's why I know it's at 409 is because in the next story, the kids call 409, and Siegfried picks up. Well done. He picks up in the middle of this previous story, actually. Remember when he goes to the phone? That's actually yeah. when he went away the first time. Yeah. He goes up and picks up the phone, going back into the middle of the story. Sorry, yeah. this is how like bonkers this movie well, is. Well, no, that makes sense for describing this movie, though, yeah, yeah. because it's a similar thing. Yeah, so the first time when he went away and they were like trying to charade, like, yeah. what do I do? How, why, how do I untie you? Siegfried answers the phone, listens to it for a second, and says... Wrong room? No, he says, no, kid, we don't have any needles, but I got a big fucking gun. Oh, my Hangs God. up. Well done. Well yeah. done. Well done. The next story then begins really abruptly. It's called The Misbehaviors. Yes. And it starts with Antonio Menderes in his room with his wife and kids. The wife is futzing with the kids' hair in the bathroom, and they're all, like, dressed up really nicely. Yes. And I'm glad you remembered. I, I couldn't remember if it was called, like, Misbehaving or The Misbehaviors, and uh, it does not star Antonio Banderas. It stars Antonio Banderas. Seriously, this is the most Antonio Banderas Antonio Banderas I've ever seen. It is pure Antonio Banderas. And JJ's upstairs, right? Mm -hmm. I hope she can hear this because if you don't think that Antonio Banderas is one sexy, hairy man, then you might want to take your nitro pills because what's wrong with you? (laughs) Well done. Yeah, so Antonio is, uh, I guess his wife is in there messing with the daughter's hair, combing it, saying how did it get so whatever, and I don't know, maybe the son was first. But at some point, his wife is messing with the children's hair and he comes in with the cigarette can't do that anymore and basically he starts trying to comb his son's hair it looks good pulled back yeah like mine cool like like pulled back like this you look cool like me i look cool god so great and he makes look like smoking a cigarette look like the coolest thing you could possibly do oh for sure it's so deliberate and awesome. I mean, everything that Antonio Banderas does is deliberate and awesome. <laughs> so I guess he gives up on his kid's hair because his mom always messes with it. And I'm going to forget small details. And I know you're going to jump in, so please do. But uh, I guess, it, you know, they kind of dismiss the kids and they talk. And I remember the wife says, like, are we going to have fun tonight? And he looks over and the kids are, like, watching TV. Well, so... What did I miss? I missed a lot. No, you didn't. Okay. Actually, just one very quick scene that I thought was kind of telling of their relationship where she says, are we going to have fun tonight? And he takes a drag of a cigarette, walks by her, and blows it past her into the sink where she was, like, looking at stuff. Love. She, yeah, and she That's says... Love. I guess, I guess not. not. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, and then, well, you know, but then the next thing is, like, the, I, one of them or both of them are looking at the kids and they're watching TV and, you know, Antonio Banderas is like, he's like, why don't we leave the kids here? And she's like, alone? And this was my favorite line of the movie. No, 
with the with television. The <laughs> <laughs> television parenting. Yeah. And so uh, so I guess they agree to that. Yeah, they do. Which I think that's where you kind of realize that they those two actually do love each other. Of course, yeah. But they fucking hate their kids. Yeah, who, who wouldn't? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, so... They decide to leave them there. And they this call, and he had already, actually, I think it. Ted was coming up already. Yeah. Because so, he was coming up with Champagne. Right. That's the first thing that, uh, you do see in the scene. I totally forgot. I'm yeah. sorry. Where the, the only thing you see is Antonio Menderes, like, calls the room service. Yeah. And you only see his mouth and he goes, Champagne, on ice, fast. Oh, that's right. God. Oh, oh so cool. One, one sexy hairy man. He's, he's the yeah, best. So great. Yeah. So they get Ted. Ted arrives and they basically, he pays him $500 to watch the kids. Not watch them, but like check on them if they call, give them anything they need. Yeah. Basically, you know, care for the kids. And there's kind of a, I actually think a pretty cute back and forth negotiation scene that doesn't actually end up to anything, but it does, you know, it's yeah. part of the story. Where he goes, uh, he's like, how does $500 sound? like, $500 sounds great. How does $300? sound three hundred dollars sounds also great yeah and then they're talking about it for a little bit and then he goes all right here's three hundred dollars i thought said five hundred dollars he's like the last thing i said was three hundred dollars it was like last thing i said was three hundred dollars and the last thing i said counts well if you say five hundred dollars again then we have a deal i thought that was the, the best thing <laughs> it was it was very witty back and forth banter yeah it was yeah. really great yeah and so and this is also the robert rodriguez uh move or yeah yeah that's yeah, so i remember yeah he he did you know direct this one and it's so obvious yeah oh yeah absolutely because he Ted says uh, because the situation is such a huge pain in my ass he's like are you calling my kids a pain in the ass he's like not your kids sir the situation and he goes no you're right the first time they are a pain in the ass (laughs) he's so cool (laughs) I wish he was my dad yeah so then they leave but right before they leave the mom is like oh wait I want some of the champagne he's like you can get bombed at the party he's like but I want some now I'm like god damn that, that woman wants to get drunk fast i respect that mission oriented attitude and she had a goal and she was set on it i respect that oh yeah totally so then they leave well antonio well this may come into play later antonio pandanis says you know they they're kind of the back and forth deals of of watching it and he tells the kids or at least says you know if you need anything call him call ted and he pulls yeah. ted's oh uh, name tag off. off and throws it at the girl <laughs> that's so wonderful that's amazing yeah and then he's like, if you need anything, call Ted. You're in bed before midnight. Midnight. And he's like, don't misbehave. Yeah. And he like looks so deliberate, <laughs> deliberately. Yeah. And the camera does a upward shot, so it's yeah. like from his like it's down. Yeah, you're, on yeah, the like you're like up, you're the kid looking yeah, at, him. at him. Yeah. He's like, behave. Yeah, and then when he does the classic trick where he like leaves for like two minutes and then comes back. Yeah, and the kid's <laughs> already like futzing with the window because he's trying to escape this like terribly abusive household. Oh yeah, right when. Uh, Antonio Banderas hands over the $500 to Ted. The mom looks at the kids and says, Your kids, kids are, are getting, getting expensive. expensive. God. <laughs> those parents hate those kids. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Yeah. So they leave. They go down the hall and they kind of have this, like, sexy walk that they're doing where they're kind of going down the hall, like, very choreographed, and they get into the elevator, which, by the way, in this hotel all of the elevators are perfectly timed oh well no one ever has to wait for an elevator it's always like and i know it's like a movie right but it's just like one of those things where i'm like that's not how that works Yeah, yeah i've been in an elevator before so in the elevator they then immediately slide into like this salsa like she's got her legs out he's holding her down like a very like i'm waiting for the castanets yeah exactly and then he does this really cool thing where he kicks the button on the door and it closes immediately and then god damn right he does (laughs) So it 
the the next bit of the scene, which I'm gonna just kind of skip over yeah, because yeah. I kind of I honestly hate the kids in this. Oh man, they just do kids stuff where they're like watching TV and like flipping through the channels and the boy finds sexually provocative stuff. Yeah, but it's just and... like a dancer, like a girl with a bikini, and the the a... little girl is like freaking out about it. We were children of the '90s. I yeah. remember timing my you know what to the MTV TRL. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was a different time. Right. It was uh I. Remember the like TRL like beach episodes when they went oh the Cancun episodes oh yeah it, it was the the beach house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so well yes I do remember being yeah in thing, the 90s. things would happen where it's like man I got three minutes go mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway he's watching that and he's like oh look TNA yeah and she freaks out and she calls Ted and that's the first time that she calls Ted and tells him to turn off the adult channel in the room and he looks on the computer and is like it's not on yeah um and she's like well look, don't listen to the machine listen to me yeah and uh, it just establishes her as being a pain in the butt seriously because those latinas are so hot-blooded half latina half asian yeah yeah so which is kind of funny because that the male child is like pure latino oh 100 and she yeah. is pure some version of asian it could be Filipina. yeah maybe mm-hmm. so anyway they are like causing a ruckus and uh finally ted like ted has come up a couple times they've kind of had a back and forth like they're asking for various stuff and well there's a part where the kids start destroying stuff right so they, yeah. they grab the makeup and well, i guess right, they a, found the needle first yeah, they, yeah they, they found a needle yeah, and they, they called ted like hey your people are doing like a bum job we found a needle in it and it's like a big syringe it's, yeah it's a comical needles yeah well it's supposed yeah. to like be obvious that it's like some right correct yes when they grab the lipstick and they mm-hmm. make a dartboard right. and that sort of thing and I think also Ted kind of like made this whole like talk to him when they first were there like call me if there's only an emergency and then because he's like a hundred percent over it as well he oh, right. immediately hates these kids yeah and which I was like come on Ted like give well, people a chance for I, I don't know that's that's hating them it's it's more. I mean, I would probably do the same thing in that scenario, you know, which is obviously, like, I have other things to do. So, like, yeah. if something comes up, but then the little girl is like, that's not what my dad said. He said, call you if we need anything, not call you if it's an emergency. she's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, he's like, all right, if you're good, I'll come up with milk, milk and, and cookies. cookies. So, they're, like, they're playing with stuff, right? like I said, destroying things. She calls the room, and he's like, give me three numbers. And the kid's, like, smoking a cigarette that yeah. he got from his dad's, like, yeah. suitcase. And then he goes, four, zero, nine. Well done. Yeah. yeah. And then that's 409, which is the number that calls to yeah. the previous story, which yeah. I actually thought was kind of interesting. Because all of these are standalone stories, but this is the one of the couple times, there's only two times, where the stories intersect with each other. And I thought that was kind of neat where, like, the director slash writers had to talk to each other and kind of introduce that into their scenes. I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it when I talk about my reviews. But uh, that, I obviously did not pick up on that, but I think that's cool. Yeah. And so I think there's, like, one other thing that I remembered that the kids were doing. Well, they take off their socks and shoes and right, say and it and smells, like, bad, smells bad. Everything smells bad. And they accuse each other and blah, blah, blah. And then... She, nope, sorry, this, when did, when does the, 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 the eyelid thing happen? Uh, just after. Now. Just okay, now, yeah. Okay. So Ted finally comes up after like calling them a couple, or them calling him a couple times. Finally comes up, he's like, here's your milk and cookies. Yeah. So it gives him like skim milk and salting crackers because yeah. they ran out of cookies. Sure. I was like, oh, wow, way to renegade on your uh, promise there, Ted. Yeah. And so yeah, the cookies are old. Renegade? Renegade. Yeah. Renegade. Which we're not supposed to say anymore. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> 
But anyway, so he goes back on his promise, gives them old saltines, yeah. so they hate it, and then finally they, they lay down in like, their clothes, in yeah. their nice clothes, yeah. and they're like, he's like, all right, lay down. And they're, they're like, should we get into our pajamas? And he says, D- you want to look good if there's an earthquake, right? And yeah. they're like, yes. He's like, well, then stay in those clothes. I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Kind of showing up, showing that Ted is like... Uh, he's not dumb. Like he's he can th- he can think on his feet in some ways. Right. So he then puts a mentholatum or mentholatum ointment, which is essentially like Vicks, Vicks vapor rub, yeah, yeah, on their eyelids, so that if they open their eyes, it's going to burn their eyes. Right. Meaning that Ted's a prick. And also an idiot, as the little girl points Without, out. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, this. my babysitter used to do this to me. Yeah. If you open your eyes, it's going to burn. So you say, have your eyes closed all night. And by the time night com- or the day comes, it's evaporated. It's evaporated yeah. and all that. And so she falls asleep, and then fireworks are happening. Because guess what? It's New Year's. Woo! This is the only time that New Year's actually comes into play. Yes, it is. Except for, like, one bit of dialogue a little bit later. But yeah. that doesn't really impact it. Anyway. Yeah. anyway, so the fireworks wake up the kid. and The girl. She, the girl. She... Then goes and washes her eyes because... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then starts watching TV. The boy wakes up and, she, and he's like, oh, you're watching TV? And she's like, yeah, if you want to watch TV with me, go you better wash, wash your, your face. face. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes and does like classic slapstick by running into the wall. Yeah. And then she just goes like, like watch out or whatever. And it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, great. She He washes off his face, comes back. They at oh at some point earlier they had like exploded champagne everywhere so they're oh, like that's finishing right. off the champagne yeah. they're like oh something smells and they're like she's like still trying to figure out what smells yeah she's smelling the alcohol yeah. the sheets, sheets the bed everything and she pulls the mattress and there's a dead person who knows but a dead person under I really like that you gave the dead tall girl. Yeah. Oh, sorry, prostitute archer. The yeah, uh, yeah. benefit of the doubt. Right. Like, what I if do. she was like a traveling salesman? She, yeah, she could have been anything. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Probably a hooker. Yeah. But anyway, so there's a dead person in their bedsheet. That's what they've been smelling all this time because apparently no one knows what rotting flesh smells like. Okay. Apparently they think it smells like your feet. Uh, no, yeah. There's or, a very, or, or champagne. Yeah, or champagne. Yeah. I was like, I've smelled rotting flesh before. And yeah. let me tell you, there's a very instinctual, like, there's almost like a gene memory thing. You've got millions of years of evolution to avoid this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing quite smells like yeah. things, ro- like uh, meat rotting. Yeah. So anyway, they immediately call Ted, and he's, like, freaking out. He's like, how did you, like, how, how did you see the body without yeah. opening your eyes? He's like, I washed my face off. Didn't you ever think about that? And then that's when you also realize that while Ted is clever, he's, he's also like, kind of dumb. Yeah. And, well, and I would like to give little girl credit because when she is on the phone, boss. Yeah. She's Absolute am- boss. Yeah, she's, <laughs> a, she's great. So then he comes up. Uh, starts freaking out. Cause well, there's like, a race. There's a yeah. race. Oh, right. I forgot there's about There's a this. race because yeah, yeah. Antonio Banderas comes in carrying his uh, uh, obviously like blackout drunk Asian wife, not saying the Asian girls aren't the best at holding their alcohol, but... Oh, but she was also like, she was number one stunner for like getting blitzed out drunk. She probably had that was, two she beers. Was, she was yeah. lady on a... I don't think so because she, she came in drunk, like pass out drunk, but still holding onto a fifth of... Jim Bean. Jim Bean. Not yeah. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She was holding yeah. it to like a fifth of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Fair like, enough. Fair enough. While yeah. still drunk. Yeah. Like death grip. Yeah. It's probably like rigor mortis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you're right though. I mean, I, she definitely had focus. Yeah, exactly. Know. So but, he comes in like 
dragging her, carrying her, carrying her, carrying yes. her in a sexy at, way. At one point later on, he is clearly dragging her. You, well, yeah. But anyway, so the kids are like, "There's a dead body up here to Ted." You yeah, have to you come better up get here. up here. Ted then sees that Antonio Banderas is coming, so he like races like, up races the, up the. Oh yeah, yeah. He crawls over there. He gets in the elevator first. He races yeah. up there. He does a he does a jump into the elevator door. That's oh, that is closing. pretty cool. That is yeah, pretty that cool. was that was pretty yeah. great. Yeah. And then I actually left at this part where he like he jumps in, lands, he's underneath the scene or is it below the scene and then he, his head pops up in the scene and he has this like really goofy face he's like like I did it yeah. and I actually kind of laughed at yeah. that it was one of the weird times one of the times where the weirdness of his character actually paid off fair enough so, so he, go, he goes upstairs, he goes into the kid's room, and he opens the door, and, like, the room is on fire, or no, the room's no, not on fire. not yet. Okay, sorry. So he opens the door, there's champagne everywhere. I guess he asked the little girl, like, where's the body, and she slides it, or they had, there's like, accusation. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, yeah. an argument at first. Uh, he slaps the cigarette out of the boy's mouth. Like, like, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Because his parents are coming up. Yeah. yeah. And that sets the room on fire. Right. So that, okay. Champagne plus cigarette equals fire. Yeah, good enough. I mean, that's not how champagne works. I understand. Anyway, so, yeah. The the key is they end up where, and the little girl stabs him in the leg. Yeah, so what happens is that he pushes, or she pushes the mattress off, revealing the dead body. He, Ted, immediately throws up. He goes, what the fuck? And like yeah. spewing chunks while right. that happens. Then he calls nine one one. Is like, I need to report a crime. There's the a police dead, here now. Yeah, there's a dead whore. Oh, that's right. He's in like, here. Don't he keeps, call her a whore. Yeah, the little girl for some reason is like really upset about him calling this. Well, she person. has Tumblr. Yeah, in ninety five. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's like, don't call her a whore, and she gets really upset about it and stabs him with the needle. There. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Holy hell! And so the last thing that they were kind of left with is like he's he gets stabbed is pulling the, the dead whore out of the hole for some reason. Yes. The kid's smoking again. Yeah. And the room is now, like, on totally fire. on fire. Antonio Menderes then comes in dragging his wife. Like, yeah. literally dragging. And looks at everything that's going on, sees everyone. Everyone, like, stands still. Like, yeah. no one at this point moves again. Which is classic. Which is kind of great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, the, well, except for the kid, like, takes Throws a cigarette, the cigarette and throws it behind him. Yeah. And there's more, more fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love the more fire in the, the kid's face. goes, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, very nervous. Busted. Yeah, and then Antonio Banderas just looks at Ted and goes, did they misbehave? Did they misbehave? And that was it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's so It's great. so good. So then... We have another quick transition from No, there. this transition is not quick. Oh, you're right. Uh, and and well, no, it's it, great. Quick transition from oh, all right. that scene to Ted downstairs sure. back in the lobby. Yes, he's okay. like super pissed because all these things have happened. Yeah, yeah. he's going to quit. Like he's, well, not going to quit. He's going to leave for the day. And he's calling Betty to call Betty, who is the manager of the hotel. Calls her. He's like, I you th- better come to work because my shift is over, essentially. I, I thought he was saying I was going to quit. That's the way I read that. It doesn't matter. It anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. so he like grabs the drawer where the the phone is and like rips the lid of the drawer off. Instead of the drawer coming out, yeah. he's like, yeah. and he's like, fuck this. Yeah. It's Ted time. Yeah. And like calls Betty's the original number. TED Talk. <laughs> calls Betty's number and some girl at Betty's house. It's They're Melissa playing. Tomei. I don't know who that is. Okay. Have you never seen my cousin Vinny? No. Oh. Anyway. Okay. So she's some girl, Melissa Tomei. Timber's gonna be so pissed off at you. Oh boy. He's gonna listen and it, this is the point where he's gonna be upset. Yeah. Proceed. Well, hi Timber. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Hey Timber. <laughs> So, yeah, she's playing games with two other girls. They're playing some Rambo game. Yeah. Specifically Rambo 3. I, I was looking at some of the trivia, and they're playing Rambo 3. Cool. So she's getting high, talking to Ted, and Ted's kind of, like, recounting 
the day, that happened, yeah. yeah, the night. And then finally, like, they're going having this back and forth. And then she says, like, oh, are you not ha- having the happiest of New Year's, Ted? And he's like, no, I'm not having a happy New Year. It's this, everything's fucking bonkers, essentially. Yeah. And that's the only other time that New Year's comes into play here. Okay, fair enough. Sure. So. Wait, okay, is this the one where he switches to, like, a Irish accent or a Scottish accent or something weird? It's His accent gets, like, super hardcore at this point. Okay, maybe that's Because he's English, okay. I think. Okay, well, okay. I, yeah, he's supposed to be somewhere well, from the Bridge Isles. Yeah, well, okay, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. Because there's a point where it's like, I guess it's like, this is so terrible. There's like Alfred accent, mm-hmm. and then there's like, I oh boy oh accent. Yeah. Oh, hello, love. Yeah, yeah so like, something that was like, and, and, all, and maybe that actually is like, actually a directorial decision, which is like, he has his composure, and at this point, he loses his composure. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Yeah. And finally he gets Betty on the horn. Yeah. Talks to her and she like begs him to take care of the penthouse because the penthouse called during the middle of their call. Right. And you know, begs him to do one more thing. He's yeah. like, fine, I'll do it. It's, you know? it's cat and his boss is Kathy Griffin featuring yeah. Anderson Cooper. Yeah. And so they, she kind of gives the whole backstory of the hotel of how it used to be like this, like, the number one place for hotel stars to come and they kind of which is a callback to the to the missing ingredient yeah exactly you know and there's like now there's like no stars there and but we're gonna make a comeback in the 90s sure that sort of thing and so this is the first hollywood star that stayed there in x number of like decades and this is the beginning of the the beginning beginning of the resurrection so he agrees to do it goes upstairs and this is the this is the one. It's called The Man from Hollywood. Yes. Which is actually, there's a, a, a direct Roald Dahl story. story called The Man from, from the, the South. South. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So this is Quentin Tarantino's. And yes. he's like, this is ends it. He leaves the elevator with like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a bunch of seemingly random, random stuff. stuff. Yeah. And then knocks on the door and it does one of Quentin, Quentin Tarantino's panning sh- shots to establish mm-hmm. everything. And this is a one take shot where it starts on Ted. And then you see it's Angela from the second story. Yes. The girl's tied up. But I didn't recognize her. Well, she's remotely. wearing like a bathrobe and she's got she's a, a towel. In her hair. Yeah. Like, it was like she could have just been anybody. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And it's like, who is she? And it's yeah. like, oh, it's Angela from yeah. downstairs. Oh, okay. She's in this, I guess, for some reason. So they do this panning shot, introduces Angela. Quentin Tarantino is being Quentin Tarantino. He's in this movie. Quentin Tarantino is always Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which so, is fine. Which is fine, yeah. yeah. But that's just Quentin Tarantino is being Quentin Tarantino yeah. somewhere else, and he's the big Hollywood star. Yeah. Then he comes in and like starts talking to Ted uh, into the scene, or the scene follows him back to Ted and then introduces the other people who are there, one of which is uh, Bruce Willis. Of course, because Pulp Fiction... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. So they have like this discussion. Like everything that Quentin Tarantino talks about in this section, he like starts yammering on about like uh, Jerry Lewis and how Jerry Lewis had to go to France to find to, fame to get respect. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh my god, it's this is Quentin Tarantino just masturbating all over the screen more so than usual. Well, this is Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was like, holy crap. Yeah. So they do this whole big scene where they're like talking to everyone and everyone's kind of like interacting with Ted and trying like and Ted's trying to figure out like, all right, well, I just want to leave and yeah. they keep pulling him back in. Bruce Willis 
Wallace, in the meantime, is having a fight with his wife, mm-hmm. and that's ongoing. Finally, I, I'm just going to skip through this because like this is such a dialogue heavy scene. Like nothing happens in this mo- this scene and except and that's for a, the dialogue. That's the thing. It's like if, you know, if somebody wants to experience the ambiance in the Quentin Tarantino, watch it because what really matters is they go over the random items he brings, mm-hmm. and then he tells the story, which is the man from the south. You know, yeah. well based on that, which is basically you know a guy would bet his car that uh you know which was a nice car that you can't light your zippo or lighter 10 times in a row and if you do you get the car and if not uh he gets to cut off your pinky yeah so quentin tarantino has made this bet with his friend who's holding a jim bean oh his name's mark um no not mark it's uh marlin marlin okay yeah Yeah. so he has made that bet and so you know they ask ted to bring up you know a a block of wood which is a cutting board a knife sharper than the devil they say they keep saying hatchet but it's a cleaver that upsets me but whatever but uh, yeah. yeah but it's a cleaver and then you know the twine whatever whatever so they and then there's a part where ted so basically they they proposition ted and they say you know we want you to cut off his finger well actually this is a part that i really like and I'll, okay. I'll talk about this for a second. Ted is like, all right, I'm out of here. You guys are doing this like weird thing. Like He's like, I don't care how you guys have fun. You guys have fun. I don't care. Yes. I'm leaving because he just wants to leave for the day. Right? right. And he is stopped. And they're like, just here's up for one second. He's like, oh, that's what? where I was, by the way. Was it? Because they tell him what they want first before he starts to leave. No, not quite. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they right? do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then they're like, give give me one more minute. Yeah. And I'll pay for that minute with $100 yes. to kind of explain what happens. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry. No, that's I forgot okay. that was how the sequence went. Yeah, yeah. that is how it went. Yeah, because they, 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 they tell him, him, and then he's like, I don't want a part of this, whatever, whatever. And then Quentin Tarantino goes on and says, you know, you get 100 bucks, you sit in that chair for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then he actually does, you know, he's closing ABC. And, yeah, yeah that is, is a good scene where, you know, he's adding every time he tells, you know, you know, hey, are you going to look back 100 bucks mm-hmm. and regret hundred bucks yeah. so ultimately there's a thousand dollars yeah he's like there's these parts in your life that yeah. will pass by you and you won't even remember them and there's other parts of your life where you remember them for the rest of your life now and he keeps yeah. putting on hundred dollars and finally stops he's like how many have i put down how much have i put down like 600. six hundred yeah. dollars he's like how long does it take for a person to come from 600 to 700 yeah and then he's like, uh, I'm not sure. And Angel's like, it's a rhetorical question. He's like, I don't know, sir. And he goes, about 10 seconds longer, or like about 10 seconds longer than it counts in the count from 500 to 600. Get yep. another 100. Yep. And so basically puts on $1,000 on one pile, the $100 from before. Because he gets the $100 no matter, no matter what. what. Yeah, yes. exactly. So basically he's saying, I'll give you $1,000 if you do this. Yeah, so he's like, do you want, are you going to remember for the rest of your life, for the next four, 30 years, give or take a decade, I like that, yeah. uh, if you turn down $1,000 for one second of work. Right. And I was like, that's not a bad argument. Well, especially in ninety five dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, so he goes all right, and he does he does it, and they he puts his the yeah. the, the Marlin. Yeah, Marlin. He puts his finger, finger on, on the cutting, cutting board, board, which I was thinking about it right before he said yes. I was like, how? Like, I was like, I can only think of one configuration where that would work, and yeah. he did that, and I was yeah. like, yes. Yeah, well, which is, I mean. Say what you will about Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But the man certainly, I think, approached this thing in a realistic manner. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, if he hadn't already thought of that, you know, I'm sure he would have set up the scene and then been like, oh, this is the only way that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he, yeah. They set up the scene really quickly. And then he goes, all right, go. Flicks the lighter. It doesn't light immediately. Chop. Chop. Dunk. He, uh, Ted grabs all the money off the, uh, off the table. table yeah. And then just leaves well he starts dancing his way out and then yeah. everybody's flipping out and they're like they're like give me doctor whatever and they're like i told him to be on standby i guess they just have said earlier you know but yeah like everyone's freaking out like, and then yeah that's he's it like, my finger he cut off my fingers like no yeah. shit he yeah. said he was going to and i just love how it was just like delivery's like Doosh. he's like 
totally. Well, because well, like, they, they set up this huge tension and yeah. then there's zero tension at all because, you know, it's like I was expecting, you know, nine lights or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, and, and that anti, anti tension. Yeah. Well done. Perfect. It yeah. was amazingly yeah. well done. So the Ted like dances way out, presses the elevator. Everyone's freaking out and the credits are rolling during this entire While scene they're where freaking they're like out, yes. freaking out and like getting him to the hospital. And I thought that was so well done. Yes. Uh, Angela then leaves. Uh, her leaving is the only time in that scene where she's wearing a sho- or shoes. Oh, okay. Which is a total Quentin Tarantino thing. To wear shoes or to not wear to shoes? To not wear shoes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Quentin Tarantino, it, it, like, have you seen a Quentin Tarantino movie? That dude loves feet. Yes, he does. So, and that basically ends it. Yeah, and she I, goes, oh, she goes down the stairs. Yeah, she goes down the yeah, stairs. Yeah, because he Ted's in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I'm done with you guys. Yeah. And they, like, there's, like, slapstick kind of comedy of them, like, slipping down the hall yeah. trying to get done. And, yeah. And that's it. And that's it. So give me your first impressions. I feel like Ted at the last scene. Watching this movie the first time was a chore. It was so hard, and I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, so I watched it, and it was nice. I mean, when I watched it the first time, I felt like I was reading an Agatha Christie novel, and I was investigating every small detail, which is hilarious that I missed out on the thing you pointed out. So obviously, <laughs> I didn't do a very good job, but I was trying really hard. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm just too used to like Crash or Magnolia or Babel, and I thought there was going to be more interconnections as opposed to like a pure anthology, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, there were four scenes and two of them I liked and the other two I thought were terrible and you would think or at least I would have thought that four bite-sized scenes would have been okay but it was just so terrible to get through and like Tim Roth I know he was probably doing something by choice or something he was told but like it was distracting and you know the first scene was just dumb and the second scene was awful and it just dragged on for way too long. The third scene was fantastic. And the fourth scene was actually pretty good. Yeah. And and then it was over. And, and just my first impression of this movie was just so tired. Yeah. And, and that's all I can really say. Uh, that's fair. I basically had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Like, my first impression of this movie was just... I was, like, starting to watch it. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. I like the old man at the beginning. I like the animated sequence. Okay, fair um, enough. And I liked the just the ambience ambiance of and the setting of it I really like started to like and I did the same thing you did at first okay where I was paying attention to everything sure and then once I realized after the first scene that nothing mattered it's just an anthology yeah Yeah. I was just like all right fuck it and I was just trying to then get through it and I was trying to get through it because I could not stand Ted I I, I also could not stand him if there if there had been like maybe a different actor or just Ted was written better. I might have actually really enjoyed this movie, but sure. like my first impression I'm just like what my my first impression is can be summed up to what the fuck is wrong with Ted? Like I do feel like he needs help. Like like he's got some sort of disorder or like... something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's this might as well be like what's eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, the title. Yeah, sure, sure. Because seriously, what the fuck is wrong with Ted? Yeah. And that was then. That was basically it. like I actually, I actually really liked initially the the first one, the witches, the missing ingredient. Yeah, there was yeah. like there was some like weirdness about it where like there's a one girl who's not a part of the coven. Which oh we didn't yeah, talk yeah, about. there's kind of emo stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She's fighting with her mom. Her mom is Madonna. Except for at one point where they're like, "Why are we sleeping together?" Yeah, it's like yeah. if you're my mother, why are we sleeping together? Yeah, like, that holy would, shit. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, yeah. And then and then she joins the coven and then takes her top, top off, off. But she's got black a electric pasty, tape, early electrical electric tape, tape yeah. over her nipples. Yeah, and so I'm like, what is going on with this scene? And and maybe you know maybe I okay, I guess and maybe this is kind of my second screen, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but. Maybe it is written like an anthology book, which is they don't necessarily have much to do with each other. And and maybe these things are all purposeful red herrings to make me pay attention or to miss out on actual clues. Mm-hmm. But to me, it just felt so sloppy. And, yeah. and if it was meant to be red herrings, then it just felt sloppy, not clever. Yeah, and the thing that I, I noticed about it is that this movie is 90s as fuck. Which I, which you think we would love? Yeah, I absolutely. I was like, yeah. why don't I like this more? Yes, like the the font they use to have like the the people's name at the beginning during yeah. the animated sequence. Yeah. That's a nineties ass font. Yeah, like we don't. I've not seen that in popular use these days. Like everything about it is just straight nineties, mm-hmm. and I didn't care for it the first time I saw it. I mean, us being us, you know, children of the nineties, like we should be set up for success. I and I love Tarantino. Yeah. So you think that I would love, you know, this movie? Because one of the I saw it on, you know, some movie forum somewhere, and it was about um, Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, "What kind of review, you know, whatever?" And someone's like, "If you like Tarantino movies, you're gonna like this one. And if you don't, you won't." And that's pretty much all Tarantino movies. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I totally agree. So yeah, that's basically all I can say on it. Like the first one I liked, the first. Story should we, should we do I a liked. quick breakdown, like a super fast breakdown of each one? Sure. Okay. They do give us nice bite-sized chunks, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So the first one, I kind of liked it. I liked the fact that it was like supernatural. There, there's things about it I didn't like, where you know, no, nobody was dancing in time. Like it just felt so weird. Like nobody seemed like they were acting in the same scene. Like it was just. It felt like a high school play. Yeah, it felt like a high school play. <laughs> I agree. But I, I liked, like, the story aspect of it where I'm like, okay, well, crap. If this is our first story, uh, things are going to get bonkers. Sure. And that kind of set us up. It was like, let's go fucking weird at first, and then everything else is going to seem at least slightly normal. And right. kind of, it did. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you're right. I mean, nobody else resurrected a god. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or shot lasers out their eyes. Oh, yeah, they do that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, what do you thought? Yeah, I think I felt the same way. Maybe I just set myself up for failure with expectations, and I don't know. Maybe, and you know that that TV trope, Seinfeld did it first thing, which is like maybe I'm so used to movies where you know some something crazy happens and then just ravages the rest of the movie, and maybe I'm judging this movie out of time. Like yeah. maybe if I watch this movie in '97, I'd be like, cool. I I also think that I set myself for failure as well, Mm -hmm. in a way, because I'm like, oh, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie. This isn't a Quentin Tarantino movie. Only one of them is. Yes, fair enough. And so I was like, what the fuck is the rest of this bullshit? Yeah, true, true, true. Okay, so then the second one, I hated it. It was, that one was, I feel, objectively terrible. Yeah, like, the actors were good. Yeah, they're fine. They're good. They acted well, I think. It's the story. The story is just so, like, it it was all dialogue driven, but it wasn't, like, Quentin Tarantino level of dialogue. Oh, God, no. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking of um, Inglorious Bastards, you know, I mean, the first, what, 20, 30 minutes of that movie, and it's like, it is so intense. Yeah. And yeah, it's all dialogue driven, and I, I get the point, right? I get the point where it's like, you're supposed to try to figure out what's real, what's fake, but it's just so poorly done that I didn't even care. Yeah. So, no, I absolutely agree. I yeah. just didn't care for any of the characters in it, yeah. beginning with, beginning and ending with Ted. Oh, yeah, absolutely like, not. Yeah, again, I don't really care for Ted that much. Yeah, me neither. So, then the third one, I liked it well enough. It was fine. Yeah. I liked Antonio Banderas in it. Uh, Antonio Banderas yeah. was the best thing in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. Absolutely. Hands down. I hated the kids. 
which you know You're to the kids credit to. yeah yeah You're yeah supposed to and i i just hated them i guess i didn't hate the kids because i didn't have to deal with them i liked them watching them wreak havoc on other people's lives yeah that's but fair. It, but if i had to deal with them i would i would hate them too so i guess i like them in that manner oh that's fair yeah so the only thing like the boy in it was so weird he was very weird. He would like he was sucking on his big toe at some point. Kids do that. Yeah, kids do that. And then like she asks him to come over and like smell her feet to like verify that it's not her feet that smell. And kicks him in the face. And kicks him in the face, but like I was like, that's a kind of weirdly sexual scene. There, yeah, that was. Right. Like, yeah, there was like you know, it's like I know Quentin Tarantino's got his thing and that's cool. And you know, it's this, like this but is it, but, Rodriguez. Know, like, well, yeah, and it's like even if this was Tarantino, I'm like, these are kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a bit weird. That that was a bit weird. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that kind of took the uh, air out of the room. One thing I will say, though, is I did like, because as a boy, I feel qualified to say this, boys are dumb yeah, and girls so. are smart, yes. and especially when they're children. Yeah. And so that's the thing where it's like, I guess that part to me made sense because I was like, I was like, I probably did equally as dumb stuff when I was like a little boy because just boys are dumb. And like yeah. girls, especially at that age, girls are like light Ways, years ahead of boys. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, if anybody's going to outsmart anybody or do smart stuff, it's the girl. Definitely the girl. Yeah. I absolutely agree with yeah. that. So then the last one. Again, it was like it was Quentin Tarantino at his finest. I feel the it last was, the last one was legitimate Quentin Tarantino, yeah, and, and I, I loved it. I liked it. I actually really did enjoy it. Yeah. Like, I, I can't really talk about it too much because, like I said, it's very dialogue driven and um, really snappy, but also like very like esoteric, and so it's like hard to encapsulate. Yeah, I think that you know, if anybody's listening again, if they like Tarantino, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. And yeah. if not, they should see some Tarantino. But he basically uses dialogue to build tension. Yeah. And and, and does and, a good job of it too. Oh, of course he does. That, yeah. That's that's his thing. And so, the, la- the last one I did enjoy. Last one I very much enjoyed. Uh, directed well, shot well, mm-hmm. like the everything about it was just really well done. Yeah. I actually really liked it. I'm a huge fan of of climax and then zero denouement. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Okay. So give me your second screening. <sighs> I think this is the first movie that I have seen while doing this with you where I don't think I moved any statistical amount. I think, if anything, I think I moved slightly up only because I knew I didn't have to pay attention to nuance because I knew nothing. I knew that, like, I was like, oh, man, like, the first time I was like, Diana is just going to come rip-roaring in this room. She's going to sacrifice them kids. (laughs) Like, Diana, like, and then, but, like, you know, but the second time I didn't have that weight on my shoulders. But it wasn't that big of a movement. Everything was every. This movie was as advertised, I suppose, and so I moved up slightly, but not much else. I got to appreciate Antonio Banderas much more the second time. Yeah, uh, my second time was earlier today, because I'm gonna be honest. Like, I feel like this is a movie that you really only need to see once. Like, yes. I, and the whole point of this podcast is the fact that like the second screening typically will have a different impact like and we've seen this with all the movies that we've done but i absolutely agree with you i'm i'm gonna give my letter grade right after this and it's gonna be the same i was gonna move it by like a plus or minus just so i can say i did yeah, but but but, but that was forcing it yeah and this is like i saw this the first time and i was like i got everything out of this that i needed to seeing it the second time i don't feel like i got anything more I forgot about the initial scene with the old man, but not really. If I went back and, like, I remember that scene, but I just, like, oh, yeah, this scene's here, and I really like that scene with the old man. 
I don't think that it I had any like greater impact. I remember how much I disliked the second scene. I remember all the weirdness from the first scene. Sure. I remember not liking the kids, but loving Antonio Banderas. Like nothing about that really changed my perception. I think it's because it's each one is like a little, like you said, a packet. Yeah. Where there's not enough story that can be told in that one little bit that would change over time. Now I think you know I hope Greg listens to this, but I know he won't, so I can say whatever I want. But he said anthology movies generally suck, and I don't agree with that. I think that this one was just... A bad example. Yeah, yeah, it was just, this was just, it was exactly as it was. Because you can, you know, anthology, you know, Edgar Allan Poe said that he thought the the short story was the ultimate in fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Because you need to make it, you know, interesting enough. You know, you don't get the luxury of time. And so you've got to be hard-hitting fast, and you've got to be interesting. And the short story is its own challenge. And anthology movies is like four short stories, right? Yeah. And making that good is very hard. And so an anthology movie doesn't have to suck. And this one didn't suck. It's just, it just wasn't good. Yeah, it just wasn't good. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And also going really quickly to finish up my second screening. Sure. I've seen Quentin Tarantino act in a couple of his a uh, couple movies. Yeah. This one, um, Cowboy Sukiyaki. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Django Sukiyaki. Okay. Uh, which is some like weird esoteric one. Sure. And I don't like Quentin Tarantino as an actor. And that's fair. I don't want... I want him behind the camera. Well, Because he's a great director. I love his movies. He always has a cameo, though. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't mind a cameo, but, like, anytime he's, like, Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino, I'm just like, holy shit. Like, in in Cowboy uh, Django Sukiyaki, uh which I don't think is his movie, he's just in it. Okay. It's still, like, Quentin Tarantino as Quentin Tarantino, but he's dressed up like a cowboy trying to explain to someone how... Sukiyaki should be made by not adding extra sugar to it. Oh, okay. It's, and that's the only scene I remember from that movie, but sure. it's just like, holy crap. Like, it's, he isn't a good actor. I mean, and I just, I don't like him as an actor. I do think that as I've matured, I have understood that Quentin Tarantino is just a flavor, and I like him. Like, I like Quentin Tarantino's cameos in acting, um, cause I think it's very real. And probably what that means is he's probably not a good actor, and because, like, it's very clearly, like, what he, feels yeah um like what quentin tarantino feels not what his character feels Mm -hmm. but but that doesn't bother me yeah okay yeah so that was my second screening is honestly i'm this is the first time where i feel like a second screening was not at all justified or even necessary it was basically just like blacking out for another like 90 minutes or whatever and then i was like oh guess i'm done (laughs) it would have been fun in 1995 to go to the movies and see this on like a big screen just like take it in once i don't oh sure yeah once yeah yeah. i I don't think i don't think it makes that big of a difference i think i think the key is just seeing it once like i think you see it once you you see it once yeah yeah it's an experience and that's one of those things where like can't really do an experience like twice i don't i don't even think it's an experience i think i think it's the story i mean because you know there are movies where like people will say um I'll watch a movie and they'll say, "Oh, you didn't see it in the movie theaters. You missed out." And I'm like, "I really don't think I did. I yeah, think yeah. I think I, I think I got it." No, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is definitely like if I saw in the movie theater or seeing it on it's, the it's TV the over here, it's the same. It's yeah. just seeing it. This is basically the uh, what's it called the 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 opposite the parental. That's not it. Wow, we and and antithesis. Antithesis. There it is. It's that. This is the antithesis. This is defeating the second screening podcast. Yeah. And and Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez knew it in '95. <laughs> they are playing 18-dimensional Chinese chess against the second screening podcast. <laughs> against That's the second screening podcast. <laughs> All right. So why don't you give me your 
your grade. C C. Dude, this is the first time we ever agreed. I'm giving it a solid steel C yeah. the entire way. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's parts of it that I don't like, parts of it that I do like. I when I saw it the first time, my my initial thought was C, and it hasn't changed. I was gonna try to push C plus, but you gave me the confidence to keep my C. Like, yeah. like, like I was the instructor, and like, it, like basically they got like a 75, and then they got a 76, and it's like, well, I look at a 76. They did participate in class. Maybe it's a 77. You get a C plus. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's like C to C. Yeah. It's a fine movie. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. There's like, like I did like the parts that interconnected a little bit, but there should have been more. I think if they're gonna do it once, they might as well have done it a couple times. And that's the thing. Maybe you know, maybe I'm spoiled by Babel and Crash and like and Magnolia, and I just want some super in- interconnected story. And and maybe that's not fair to the movie, but it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So that was four rooms. Uh, that was an interesting movie to see. I, I will say it was interesting. It to was see. very. It was very interesting. I don't regret it. It was very interesting. Yeah. To see. I think the. I would recommend to see it at least once, I think. Oh, it's absolutely worth the first screen. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, so that was it for Four Rooms. Four Rooms. And then our next movie is going to be kind of interesting because I, it is an extension to the movie, in a way, that, that started, started this, this podcast. Yeah. We're going to see Rogue One. I w- like, this is the time right now where I'm kind of sad it's a, a podcast and a like, video because I wish they could see the smile on our faces because I'm going to choke you with this microphone cord. Oh, and this is, be... this is hype intensifying for the next episode. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're going to go so down. Yeah. Well, you're, the... that's fine. I, I'm going to win the, uh, this, like, this is actually going to be the first, like, argument, I think, podcast that we're going to have, like, true argument. I'm going to win and then you're going to choke me to death because of your, you're being so frustrated that I'm going to destroy you so hard. Well, so if, if that's how it goes and this is how you're not playing 69 dimensional Chinese uh, Stratego, because if that happens, I'm deleting the podcast, <laughs> so nobody will know, and that's not really a risk because it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, so join us for our next episode of the Second Screening Podcast. Behave, behave.